to the Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Micaela, your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 41. Today, I am extremely excited for this episode because it is the first episode for Prisoner of Azkaban on this podcast. I absolutely adore Prisoner of Azkaban. Both the movie, the book, literally I love Prisoner of Azkaban so much and this book is amazing and I'm so excited that we get into it. I mean, of course, I love Chamber of Secrets as well, but Prisoner of Azkaban has always been one of my absolute favorites. And I'm just getting over like a cold. I was sick for a few days and this is what my voice sounds like until I make a full recovery. So uh, I just didn't want to get behind on recording episodes because, you know, grad school and everything. So I'm very busy, but I have some time now and I wanted to record an episode. So, you know, kind of get ahead. I don't want to get behind on the episodes. So this is what I sound like. This is the voice that you're going to be hearing for this episode. But either way, I'm still excited. And I was like, I'm just going to record it because I just want to. I love Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm just, I'm so excited to start. And before I get into the episode content, like for the chapter, it's interesting because Universal just announced that at Universal Hollywood, they're going to be doing the Dark Arts Light Show again for a limited time. It's like kind of sporadic dates, but it looks really cool. And I've seen it before and I absolutely love it. I haven't seen it in a while because they did take it away, but they're bringing it back, which is really cool. So the description is basically as darkness cloaks Hogsmeade Village, the facade of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry will be overtaken by Dementors, Death Eaters, Inferi, and even the image of Lord Voldemort himself during a projection and special effects show accompanied by a musical score from iconic Harry Potter composer John Williams. And it really is so cool. I always enjoy seeing it when it was when they were doing it before. And they even have like a floating Patronus in the finale. It's really cool. Um, and it's always so pretty. All of, all of like the light shows there are, but it's always fun to see something like different like this. Basically March 25th. So in about a week, it's going March 25th, 2023, it's going to start again. And some of the performance times will be at desk and continue until the park close. So March 25th until April 9th, May 27th to May 29th and June 17th until August 13th. So I don't know why those are the dates they chose. It's really random. Um, but you know, those are the dates that they chose for this and it's multiple times throughout those dates. And the thing about it too, it's like June 17th, August 13th. Like, um, it's pretty cool because obviously Harry's birthday, you know, you kind of cross that in July 31st. So that's something that's fun. So I don't know why those were the dates besides that, but That's what it is. Something else that's pretty cool in Harry Potter news is that the world's largest indoor Harry Potter attraction is opening this summer and it's going to be in Japan. And so basically it's like the authentic, it says that it's including the authentic sets, the costumes, the props. You can see Diagon Alley, platform nine and three quarters. And it's also going to include sets that are not found at any other Warner Brothers studio. So that includes like the Warner Brothers studio tour in London which is really cool. It's going to be in Japan. So it's like, it's going to be like Harry Potter book and movie sets. Apparently there's going to be house key features and, uh, sorry, movie sets from fantastic beasts as well. 
So that's pretty cool. I mean, they even have green screen sets where you can, like the guests can go and put themselves into movie moments and, you know, the green screen, the Photoshop, movie magic or whatever. Um, you can even feel what it's like to ride on Hogwarts Express apparently. So it's, I mean, it's cool. And they have like duplicates of the sets, a great haul and everything. So I think it'll be really exciting. You know, I'm not going to go, obviously I'm not going to go to Japan for this, but, um, maybe one day, but not now when I'm in grad school, but it is pretty cool. Um, and this is opening June, uh, 16th in Tokyo, Japan. So if you happen to be in Tokyo and you want to go, you know, you can go ahead and look up that information, but I think it's going to be really cool. Okay. And you guys can email me at the heiress of Slytherin podcast at gmail.com with any questions or anything like that. Twitter is at Slytherin pod. Facebook page is heiress of Slytherin podcast. This podcast is available on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Anchor, and Pocket Casts. And now we can finally get into chapter one of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Outpost. Usually I will do a summary of what happened in last episode, which is discussing usually the previous chapter. So this chapter, just like the first chapter of pretty much all the Harry Potter books, I guess, except the first one, basically gives a little summary as to who Harry is and kind of what happened like in the previous book. So that's what the first page or two of Owl Post is. And I love how the first sentence is Harry Potter was a highly unusual boy in many ways. So basically it talks about how terrible his time is at the Dursleys, how he doesn't want to be there, and how he's a wizard. But not only is he a wizard, he's a famous wizard. It explains why he's a famous wizard. And, you know, just little things like that to kind of refresh the memory of the readers. So it's almost midnight and Harry is in his bed. He has a flashlight and he's doing his homework because the Dursleys don't allow him to do any sort of like any magical wizarding things at all. They don't want it. They pretend like it doesn't happen. They just don't want to talk about it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to talk about it or anything like that. And Harry has to do his homework. He has summer homework. Um, this is the first year that he's had it in just the dead of night with the flashlight on his bed underneath his covers. So he has open a history of magic by Bethilda Backshot, and he's writing his essay, which is which burning in the 14th century was completely pointless, and he has to discuss why. So Harry's looking into the book, and he's reading a passage. Non-magic people, more commonly known as muggles, were particularly afraid of magic in medieval times, but not very good at recognizing it. On the rare occasion that they did catch a real witch or wizard, burning had no effect whatsoever. The witch or wizard would perform a basic flame-freezing charm and then pretend to shriek with pain while enjoying a gentle, tickling sensation. Indeed, Wendelin the Weird enjoyed being burned so much that she allowed herself to be caught in no less than 47 times in various disguises. And a fun fact about Wendelin is that she appears on a chocolate frog card. Besides that, there wasn't really much info on her, but I mean, she was famous enough to be on a chocolate wizard card. Or sorry, a chocolate frog card. And I think it's kind of funny. I mean, obviously, Wendell and the Weird thought it was funny too, but people thought she was weird for it that she allowed herself to get caught because she just thought the flames were funny, that they tickled her or whatever. So, I mean, it is kind of weird, but I think it's funny because she knew that the Muggles had absolutely no power over her. And, you know, she allowed herself to be caught 47 times. That's a lot. So, I think it's kind of funny. And it's kind of funny too that the essay Harry is writing is why those burnings were completely pointless it's because 
they weren't burning actual witches and wizards if they got caught or they allowed themselves to get caught like Wendelin did, then they could, you know, escape pretty easily. And if they were, the people that they were burning, the witches that they were burning weren't actually witches. They were muggles because they couldn't escape. They weren't true witches. So, you know, just interesting little details of wizarding history there. It's also mentioned, just like it was in Chamber of Secrets, that all of Harry's, like his cauldron, his trunk, his spell books, his wand, everything was locked away, you know, covered underneath the stairs. And Harry had to go and sneak and grab his spell books because he had to do this homework. And basically, as long as he didn't leave ink, like in the bedsheets, then they wouldn't suspect anything. And right now, Harry wants to avoid his aunt and uncle even more than normal because he's in trouble with his aunt and uncle. Because Harry's best friend, Ron, he, you know, he's a pureblood. He comes from the whole family of wizards and everything. Never used a telephone ever. But Harry gave him the phone number and he kind of explained, like, how to use it. But it was his first time. Ron wasn't really going to know it, like, how to use it. So he called the Jersey's phone number. Vernon answered. And Harry happened to be in the room at the same time. And he just froze as he heard Ron's voice. And it's like in all caps what Ron is saying. He's like shouting, hello, hello, can you hear me? I want to talk to Harry Potter. And Vernon is yelling back at the at Ron and through the phone saying, who is this? Who are you? And Ron's bellowing, Ron Weasley. I'm a friend of Harry's from school. And Vernon just like shouts back to Ron, there is no Harry Potter here. I don't even know what school you're talking about. Never contact me again. Don't you come near my family. And he just like, he is just absolutely enraged with Harry that you would give, that he would give this number to people like him, like wizards and everything. So he's just not happy at all. And so Ron, you know, realized that he got Harry in in trouble. So he hadn't called back again. And Hermione, she hadn't been in touch either. And Harry suspects that Ron warned Hermione not to call. And, you know, Harry's like, that's a pity because Hermione, the cleverest witch in, you know, the whole year had Muggle parents, and they know how to use a, a telephone. Hermione knows she grew up a Muggle up until the age of 11, like, you know, so she knows how to use a phone, and she knows her parents are gonna know, so kind of a pity, but she has enough sense, or Harry says that she would probably have enough sense to not say that she was from Hogwarts, so it's kind of sad, you know, again, just like last summer, Harry has no word from his wizarding friends for five long weeks, and the summer is almost turning out to be as bad as the previous one. The only small improvement, though, is that Harry had been allowed to let Hedwig out at night as long as he didn't use her for letters. So, I mean, it makes sense. Like, Harry doesn't want to lose that privilege because if they did find out that Harry was sending letters, then that wouldn't be good. But at least Hedwig is not just sequestered in her cage and not allowed to go spread her wings and fly around and hunt and things like that. And it just makes me think too, I haven't read in my notes that like, think about how Harry has lived with the Dursleys and how he comes home to this every summer. And it's just, it's not really home for him, of course, but it's, it's really hard. I mean, he's already gone through a lot and he goes through more throughout this whole series. And later on in his life, he probably looks back and it's like, I really lived like that, you know? And it was just normal for him to just hate being, just hate his life kind of when he was growing up. It was, that's all he had ever known until Hogwarts. And then every summer it was taken away from him and it was just miserable. So, and the only hope he had to hold on to was Hogwarts and the Wizarding World. So that's really, it's rough. But I mean, 
it's definitely something that he probably looks back on in later in life and it's just like that's just the way i lived that's all i was able to do at the during that time so harry knows that it's very late because you know he's tired he hears the snores of his enormous cousin dudley it's described as enormous because dudley is very overweight and so he gets up he looks at the alarm clock on his table and he realizes it's one o'clock in the morning he had been 13 for a whole hour without even realizing it. So another thing that's unusual about Harry is that he doesn't look forward to his birthdays. He had never received a birthday card in his entire life. The Dursleys completely ignored the last two birthdays, and they're probably going to do the exact same for this one. So, you know, Harry doesn't really look forward to it, which is sad. You know, little kids like their birthdays. You know, I still like my birthday and look forward to birthdays, and I'm not a little kid anymore. So you know, and it's, Harry doesn't really look forward to them. It's not really a big deal to him, but still, it just is another example of how terrible the Dursleys were to him. So Harry opens his window. He kind of just gazes out into the starry sky, looking for a sign of Hedwig. She's been gone for two nights now, but it's, that's normal. He's not worried at all. Um, you know, she just goes and hunts and spreads her wings and everything. Harry is not concerned that she won't come back because she will, like she's completely fine out there. And against, it's a golden moon, which I think is a nice description. I mean, obviously the moon's still like a white light, but I like that description of a silhouetted against a golden moon. Harry sees like a lopsided creature kind of flapping towards his direction. Um, and he sees that it's getting lower and lower. And it's, for a split second, he hesitated, his hand on the window latch, wondering whether to slam it shut. But then he realizes what it was. It's owls. So I think it's funny. He was about to slam it shut and the owls would have completely ran into the window. But it's three owls. Two owls are holding up Errol. And Errol is the Weasley's owl. And he he's just struggling. I don't know. That owl, he's old. He, he's just struggling. But basically, he's unconscious right now. So it's really good that Hedwig and this other owl are, are there to help hold it up and everything. And this poor owl going on this long journey and the Weasleys know it's probably struggling, but he still almost makes it, you know, just kind of motionless, unconscious. He has a package um, tied to his legs. And so Harry knows right away it's Errol and that it's the Weasley family that they sent him something. And he takes the parcel off of Errol's legs and puts him into Hedwig's cage. <laughs> um, and he kind of opens his eyes and then starts to drink some water. So Hedwig, of course, is there. She's one of the owls. She looks very pleased with herself. And then she flies across the room, across the room and joins, joins Errol. And the third owl, Harry doesn't recognize, but he knows that it's from Hogwarts because it's carrying a letter with a Hogwarts crest. And he knows that this owl is delivering his Hogwarts letter, which is exciting. It's fun. You know, it's just something else to look forward to. I personally would love getting these because I love seeing like school supply lists and buying school supplies, especially magical ones in Diagon Alley. That would be the most fun thing ever. So I think it's really cool. But Harry takes the letter from that owl and it just flies off into the night so Harry sits on his bed, he grabs Errol's package, he opens it, it's a present wrapped in gold, and it's his first ever birthday card, which is so exciting, and his, his fingers are trembling a little bit, like he's never had a birthday card before, so he opens the envelope just a little bit, you know, and the two pieces of paper fall out, it's a letter, and it's a newspaper clipping, so the newspaper clipping is from the Daily Prophet, and um, of course the black and white picture is moving, and it's titled, the article is titled, Ministry of Magic Employee Scoops Grand Prize. 
Arthur Weasley, head of Misuse of Muggle Artifacts Office at the Ministry of Magic, has won the annual Daily Prophet Grand Prize Galleon Draw. A delighted Mr. Weasley told the Daily Prophet, you will be spending the gold on a summer holiday in Egypt, where our eldest son, Bill, works as a curse breaker for Gringotts Wizarding Bank. The Wizarding, sorry, the Weasley family will be spending a month in Egypt, returning for the start of the new school year at Hogwarts, which five of the Weasley children currently attend. So he sees that the Weasleys all look pretty happy. They're all waving at the camera, like, you know, at Harry at the camera, the picture that's being taken. So it's really cool. Something else that's mentioned is, you know, this is such an important part here because Scabbers, which is Ron's pet rat, he belonged to his brother Percy for 12 years. And now he's Ron's pet rat. So really important to mention because, you know, the Weasleys are there, six sons and one daughter. And then Scabbers, he's just the pet that's like always with Ron. And this particular newspaper clipping, like, you know, multiple people read the Daily Prophet, like pretty much all of the Wizarding World, especially in Britain, mainly because it's a Britain um, Wizarding newspaper, pretty much. But Scabbers is in this picture. And as you know, from this podcast, I, you know, it's spoilers and I discuss things from the canon and the whole series to tie everything together. So this part right here, this clipping with from the Daily Prophet, this article with Scabbers in it, Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew. He is one of the Marauders. He is an animagus, so he's actually a human that can, he's a wizard, obviously not just a muggle, but a wizard that can transform into an animal. And his animal he transforms into is a rat. He used to be friends with James Potter, Harry's dad, and he be, was in Gryffindor, you know, he was friends with James and Sirius and Lupin, the Marauders and everything. And he became a Death Eater, kind of in secret. I mean, like some Death Eaters knew, but his friends didn't. And he betrayed James and Lily to Voldemort, you know, and he's the reason they're dead. That's what a lot of people say, that he's the reason that they're dead because he was the secret keeper. So there's a certain like charm and spell and everything that you can do. And it's hiding a secret within somebody. And the secret that was hidden within Peter was the location of the Potters. And only the secret keeper is able to divulge that secret. And so since Peter was made secret keeper, he was able to tell Voldemort, this is where they are. This is where they're hiding. Huge, huge betrayal. And everyone thought that it was Sirius Black because Sirius was best friends with James. Like he was, I mean, James was best friends with like Lupin and Peter and Sirius. It was a group of friends, but James and Sirius were the closest by far. And so it's, you know, big betrayal and no one knew except the Potters and Sirius and Peter, you know, but the only two that are alive that know are uh, Sirius and Peter. So with Peter Pettigrew, AKA Scabbers being in his rat form, rat form for 12 years, I might add, Sirius Black, who is in Azkaban, sees this, he's actually running away like Azkaban for life. At this point, he's only been in Azkaban for 12 years, but he escaped already at this point, I'm pretty sure. And Sirius is in Azkaban, you know, and Fudge, Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, has the um, newspaper Daily Prophet. And, you know, Sirius just kind of calmly asks him, like, oh, can I see that, you know? And he's like, yeah, sure, like, no harm, right? And Sirius, who is the only person who knows that Peter was made a secret keeper and he knows what his animagus form looks like as Scabbers, as the rat. Sirius sees this 
this this picture and he sees that Pettigrew is alive because he thought he was dead, you know? And he sees him, Scabbers, on that picture and he knows that he's hiding in his rat form and, you know, he's like, I'm coming after him and I'm going to kill him. So this is what gives Sirius the motivation to escape Azkaban. It gives him the will to do so. He's able to escape Azkaban because he sees this Daily Prophet picture. The same one that Harry is looking at right now is what Sirius sees, and that's what makes him escape Azkaban. So it's such a crazy little small detail. Like, this was a really cool little small thing that the author came up with, and that's what set a whole book in motion, pretty much, you know? Like, this whole... This whole book, it's like Sirius escapes because he sees this um, this picture in Daily Prophet. He sees Scabbers, which is Pettigrew, and he he knows what he has to do. Like he has a mission now, so it's it's really interesting. Like this is a small detail, but it's just cool. That's why I love discussing these things. So Harry, he is so excited for the Weasleys that they won all that gold. He can't think of anyone who's more deserving to win a large pile of gold, and because they're they're very nice, but they're very poor, so. They definitely deserve the gold. And I really do love Mrs. Weasley and Mr. Weasley, their thought process here, because they could have been like, oh, we want all this gold. Let's save it up, you know, just use it for what we need. But also it's like, we want all this gold and we can go take a vacation, take our kids to go and go to Egypt and visit our our other son, which is really cool. I mean, I love that mentality. And it's like, you, this is something they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And they've always managed to be fed and have a home and everything. So it's like they could have spent the money on, you know, just food and stuff like that. But they've always been fine before. They've always been able to share as well with Harry and other guests. So it was a really cool mentality. And I love that they went to Egypt and did this little adventure with that gold that they won. So Harry reads Ron's letter and it says, or his birthday card, I guess you can say. He says, dear Harry, happy birthday. Look, I'm really sorry about that telephone call. I hope the muggles didn't give you a hard time. I asked dad and he reckons I shouldn't have shouted. It's amazing here in Egypt. Bill's taken us around all the tombs and you wouldn't believe the curses those old Egyptian wizards put on them. Mum wouldn't let Jenny go in the last one. There were all these mutant skeletons in there of muggles who'd broken in and grown extra heads and stuff. I couldn't believe it when dad won the daily profit draw. 700 galleons. Most of it's gone on this trip, but they're going to buy me a new wand for next year. Because last year... Ron, you know, the whole Whomping Willow thing when Harry and Ron took the flying car to go to Hogwarts because the barrier was sealed at platform nine and three quarters. Ron's wand broke in that fiasco of being in the Whomping Willow, which is important in this book. It's that tree that has all the swaying branches and it'll like attack anyone near it. And that's a tree that's on Hogwarts grounds. So it's very important in this book. This tree serves a big purpose. But it is the reason that Ron was walking around all second year without a working wand. So his letter also says, we'll be back about a week before term starts and we'll be going up to London to get my wand and our new books. Any chance of meeting you there? Don't let the muggles get you down. Try and come to London, Ron. P.S. Percy's head boy. He got the letter last week. So don't let the muggles get you down is such a big, like popular, famous quote from Harry Potter series. And it's just something that like so many fans live by. And it's it's so good. Don't let the muggles get you down. And it can have so many meanings. The muggles can be literally anybody. Um, 
it could be people that like hate on you for liking Harry Potter. You know, it's just, it's so many people and it's like, it's so true. Thank you, Ron. Don't let the muggles get you down. And I love that he says, says that to Harry and it's just, it's one of my favorite quotes. So I love that. And Percy being head boy, this is not a surprise to anybody. He's a big rule follower. He loves being in charge and smug and he's Percy's some something else. I've just said that so many times on this podcast and talked about why and it'll come up more in this series for sure. But Harry even looks in the Daily Prophet picture and Percy looks particularly smug. So then Harry opens up the, this first present here and it's a sneak scope. It's a miniature glass spinning top and Ron included another note and he says that it's a pocket sneak scope. If there's someone untrustworthy around, it's supposed to light up and spin. Bill says it's rubbish sold for wizard tourists and isn't reliable because it kept lighting up at dinner last night, but he didn't realize Fred and George had put beetles in his soup. This sneakoscope does work. It, it does light up and spin whenever someone untrustworthy is around. So it pretty much goes off, lights up and spins most of this year in Harry's dorm. So he has to put it like in, like he has to roll it up in socks and put it into, into his suitcase, like in his trunk underneath his bed, because it's lighting up and spinning because someone untrustworthy is around. It's Peter Pettigrew, AKA Scabbers. That's who's the untrustworthy person that's around. That's why it's lighting up and spinning and everything. It also spins in a Deathly Hollows. One of the notable moments is when it, I guess, I guess I call it going off, like, cause it's like when an alarm clock goes off, you know, but the sneak scope lights up and spins, you know, and that's because the Snatchers found them when Harry says the name Voldemort because it's taboo and that's how the Snatchers are able to find people and capture them. And in that moment, like in their tent, that's when the sneak scope goes off. So it's pretty cool. That's like another little, you know, parallel down the line. So next, Harry reads Hermione's card and then he opens her present. So her card says, Dear Harry, Ron wrote to me and told me about his phone call to your Uncle Vernon. I do hope you're all right. So of course, Harry guessed correctly that Ron told Hermione. Hermione knew not to call. She said, I'm on holiday in France at the moment. I didn't know how I was going to send this to you. What if they'd opened it at customs? But then Hedwig turned up. I think she wanted to make sure you got something for your birthday for a change. So first of all, Hedwig is so smart and I'm so... I just love Hedwig. She's so smart. She loves Harry. She wanted to make sure that he got something for his birthday. She just knew where to show up because she's magic. This is the wizarding world. The animals are cool. So Hedwig, shout out to Hedwig for honestly, she's just great. So Hermione continues saying, I bought your present by owl order. There is an advertisement in the Daily Prophet. I've been getting it delivered. It's so good to keep up with what's going on in the wizarding world. And it's true. That is a smart thing, Hermione. And I'm, Harry would probably do it if he knew that was a thing. I mean, he does now. And if he was allowed to have, you know, owls come and deliver daily profits whenever they wanted, then he would. But also that's going to get him in trouble with the Dursleys too. So there's things he has to consider. So Hermione says, did you see that picture of Ron and his family a week ago? I bet he's learning loads. I'm really jealous. The ancient Egyptian wizards were fascinating. And they are, like, based on Ron's brief descriptions. That's cool. That would be a really cool um, vacation. There's some interesting local history of witchcraft here, too. I've rewritten my whole history of magic essay to include some of the things I found out. I hope it's not too long. It's two rolls of parchment more than Professor Binns asked for, and we would expect nothing less from Hermione. Ron says he's going to be in London in the last week of the holidays. Can you make it? Will your aunts and uncle let you come? I really hope you can. If not, I'll see you on the Hogwarts Express on September 1st. Love from Hermione. Then she says, P.S. Ron says Percy's head boy. Albert Percy is really pleased. Ron doesn't seem too happy about it. And, you know, 
they they know each other. They're all spot on. Harry, Ron, Hermione know each other and they know Percy. <laughs> they know how they all feel about it. So it's funny. So Harry laughs and he puts Hermione's letter aside and picks up the present. It's really heavy. And so, of course, it helps that it was two of the um, owls, even though Errol probably helped for a little bit and then, you know, just couldn't help anymore after he passed out. And so Harry thinks knowing Hermione, this is probably going to be a very large book of difficult spells, but it wasn't. He's pleasantly surprised. He sees that it's a sleek black leather case with the silver words reading broomstick servicing kit. And Harry even says, wow, Hermione, like whispering it, of course, but he's excited. This is a really cool present. It's a large jar of Fleetwood's high finish handle polish, a pair of gleaming silver tail twig clippers, a tiny brass compass to clip on your broom for long journeys, and a handbook of do-it-yourself broom care. This is a really cool present. So way to go, Hermione. What a nice, like, this is great. Especially this year, Harry's getting his firebolt, like, because the Whomping Willow, again, playing a role in this book, it destroys Harry's Nimbus 2000. So he gets a firebolt sent to him. So it's really cool. This is something he's able to use, even though he doesn't have the firebolt for the entire year. So Harry's very pleased with this gift. And it also makes him miss Quidditch even more. Apart from his friends, the thing that Harry misses the most about Hogwarts is Quidditch. So this is exciting. He gets to use this eventually um, on his broomsticks. Next present that Harry opens is from Hagrid. He rips off like the layer of paper on top and he sees that it's something green and leathery, but he can't even properly unwrap it because the parcel gives like a strange quiver and whatever it's inside, it snaps loudly as though it had jaws and Harry could not be more correct because it, it does have jaws and it is snapping loudly. This is the monster book of monsters. And he knows that Hagrid would never send him anything dangerous on purpose, but he also knows that Hagrid doesn't have a normal person's view of what is dangerous. And so like the example that it gives is like the giant spiders, three headed dogs, illegal dragons. Like that's, you know, that's big examples of what Hagrid doesn't see as dangerous, but other people do. So Harry just nervously kind of like pokes the parcel. He grabs his lamp and he's ready to strike it when he rips off the rest of the paper. And it's just a book. Harry is like, oh, okay. And he reads the golden title, the monster book of monsters, but it's scuttle. It like flips onto its side and it's like moving along the bed, scuttling along like some weird crap is what it says. And Harry says, uh Oh, and he, you know, the book topples off the bed and with like a loud clunk, which is bad. Cause he doesn't want, you know, to wake up the Dursleys and it's just moving across the room, shuffling really fast. And Harry follows it stealthily is what it says. <laughs> um, and it's, the book is just hiding in a dark space underneath the desk and Harry reaches for it, but the book like snaps shut on his hand. And so Harry has to flatten it out without waking, wakening the Dursleys and everything. Hedwig and Errol are just watching, like, and they're very interested in what's going on. Cause they're like, what is that? What is, what is happening here? They're just watching Harry struggle to close the book in his, um, holding in his arms. And he ends up pulling on a belt and he buckles tightly around it. And you know, it's, it's angry. The book is angry and, but it can no longer flap and snap and everything. So it's, you know, it's okay. And Hagrid really should have included like a warning with this, but you know, they should have, he should have, but he didn't. Um, then Harry reads his card says, dear Harry, happy birthday. Think you might find this useful for next year. Won't say no more here. Tell you when I see you. Hope the muggles are treating you right. All the best Hagrid. So first of all, this is going to be useful for this next, this upcoming year. And it's because Hagrid is now the teacher for care of magical creatures. And that's like the little surprise that he's like hinting at here that he'll tell them more when I see you. 
And it's honestly like a big hint. Like, you know, of course, someone like Hagrid, who's a teacher, who's now a teacher, would, you know, give this book for the for his students, for his Care of Magical Creatures class, a monster book of monsters. So little hint there. Um, something else that I like about this letter, hope the muggles are treating you right. I mean, they're not. Hagrid can help. They all can help that the jerseys are treating Harry right, but they're not. So he did include it though, you know, kind of like let him know that he's thinking about him. And also I, one thing too about these books, like the hard copies, it's really cool. I love when you see the newspaper clippings, the letters that people write to Harry and like the fonts that are used for those. I always kind of like Hagrid's, um, handwriting that is used like the font that's used for his handwriting it's cool and i like ron's signature I like Hermione's signature it's cool and McGonagall's signature is really cool too so next thing that harry opens this is fun for harry he's got no mail for weeks and now he has all this mail to open these birthday presents it's cool so he notices that the hogwarts letter is thicker than usual and the first page apartment of parchment for the envelope reads dear mr potter please know that the new school year will begin on september the first like it always does the Hogwarts Express will leave from King's Cross Station, platform 93 quarters, at 11 o'clock. Third years are permitted to visit the village of Hogsmeade on certain weekends. Please give the enclosed form to your parent or guardian to sign. A list of books for next year is enclosed. Yours sincerely, Professor M. McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress. Harry is no longer smiling. He sees the Hogsmeade permission form, and he would love to visit Hogsmeade. He knows it's like the only entire, entirely wizarding village in Britain and it's cool. He's never set foot there because he can't, but now he's a third year, so he can. But how is he going to persuade his aunt or uncle to sign the form? You know, this is not going to be easy, but he wants to go to Hogsmeade to be super cool. And I would love to do this as well. Like I would love to go to Hogsmeade. So, you know, he's going to have to try, but he's like, well, I'll just worry about this when I go, when I wake up. Because he looks at his alarm clock. It's now two o'clock in the morning. It took him an hour to read all that stuff, all those letters and go through those presents. It took him an hour. So um, yeah, two o'clock now. But he's like, I'm just going to go to bed now. And he crosses another day off on the chart that he made for himself. I think it's so cute that he made a little chart for himself as like a calendar to cross off the days until his return to Hogwarts. Like, of course, like this is what he's looking forward to. This is his way to remember how many days he has left is the chart to mark everything off. So that's nice. And the last sentence of this chapter, extremely unusual though he was, at that moment, Harry Potter felt just like everyone else, glad for the first time in his life that it was his birthday. And I think that's just so precious. Like his friends made his birthday fun and happy and, and joyful for him, even though they're not there with him, you know, and they did what they could to make his day special. So I like this. I appreciate this. I'm glad that he had a good 13th birthday. So I'm happy for Harry right now, even though he's going to have a, some rough, rough times coming up, of course. And that is the end of Owl Post. So a fun first chapter, simple, nothing too crazy going on, but some, but it's fun. I still love it. I love Harry Potter, of course. So there's some fun stuff going on. Um, his birthday presents and everything. And originally I was going to do chapter one and two of Prisoner of Aspen into one episode because chapter one is kind of short and two is a little bit longer, but it's not super long, you know, comparatively compared to some of the chapters in, the book, in these books that are long. And especially in this book, there's some like really big information in some of these chapters that I'll have to probably split them up into one or two episodes. But because my voice sounds like this, I figure, and this 
let me just not do chapter two in this episode. But next episode, will I will be discussing chapter two, and it'll be Anne Marge's big mistake. So make sure you read in preparation for that, and you can email me at there's a Slytherin podcast at gmail.com. Facebook page is there's a Slytherin podcast. Twitter is at Slytherin pod. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, and Pocket Casts. You can leave a donation or voice message in the Anchor link and go ahead and leave a review on whichever platform you listen from. And if you listen from a platform and I'm not on that platform, like if there's a regular app or something you listen to podcasts on and I'm not on there and you want me to get on there, go ahead and let me know and I can try about getting on there and putting my podcast on there so it's a little bit easier to listen to. Otherwise, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, it's all available on there. So, so excited because Prisoner of Azkaban, like I said, I love, love, love Prisoner of Azkaban. So it's so exciting that I'm finally starting on this book, you know? I'm, it's so exciting. So make sure you read Chapter 2 of Harry Potter and Prisoner of Azkaban and Marge's Big Mistake for next week's episode. Thank you for listening to The Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Ella, your host.